Camp, Camp, Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp. Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Peerage, and I'll be your host. The chaplaincy has its challenges, and COVID has made comforting people in need even more difficult today. Uh, we have with us today Dr. Sylvia McLeod-Smith. Uh, she is a hospital chaplain from Ohio. Thank you, uh, Sylvia, for joining us today. My pleasure. It's been a, a pleasure for me to, um, an honor to be able to be here to, with you today. Um, thank you so much for having me. Oh, no problem. Why don't you just share a little bit about yourself? Um, my name is Sylvia McLeod-Smith. I am the oldest of four children. My parents were from North and South Carolina, and they moved to New York. So I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and then moved to Ohio. I am uh, divorced, and I don't say the word divorced. I don't like that word, right. but single. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I have a deceased son um, of one biological child. But I've been grew up in the church all my life. My parents and my grandparents both are were in the church. My grandfather was a deacon, and my grandmother was a missionary. So um, I was brought up in the church, a holiness faith. Um, apostolic faith. So um, I've been around the church for a while and um, I knew the Lord and my parents and taught me about Jesus. And I, I didn't come to know Christ until I was like eight or nine. And really it was like from a kid, you know, these kids are singing in the choir. So you want to go across the street to the church and sing in the choir as, yeah. as well. Yeah. And so being brought up, my parents actually divorced. And so it was in a single parent home. So my mom was sent us across the street. And that's where I first sang in the choir and started in, being in the church. And then um, later, you know, got away from the church, not away, away, but um, wasn't involved. And later in life, as I guess around my 30s is when um, I really gave my life to Christ and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I had a person to come through at my office at work and he shared Christ with me. And I thought, oh, I'm already saved because my family saved. Da, da, da. And um, but didn't realize that I really had not given my life to Christ. And at that moment, it was it's amazing how God works. He immediately made me realize that I needed God in my life and to be the head of my life and to lead my family. And so from that point on, I gave my life to Christ. And from there, 2004, I was um called into the ministry by God. And from that point on, I've been serving the Lord all my life since then for 17 years. So I've been a associate minister at my church, um, been in many ministries, um, but lately it's mostly outreach. I've been on mission trips, um, been to Haiti a couple times and been to Mexico. And so it's just been a, a blessing of what God has been doing in my life. And not so much what I wanted, but it was truly what God wanted. 
And um, I'm still seeing that today. Yeah. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, who God is in my life. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Well, now the the chaplaincy. I know that. I know it's difficult. Now, can I tell me? Uh, and I don't know our listeners right now. There may be a few that are familiar have been had experience of doing. Uh, chaplain work in a in a hospital setting, but tell me what before COVID, what the chaplaincy was like. What what is typical day of a chaplain? Yes, for most part, chaplaincy is is our way of bringing God's presence into patients' rooms. And I felt that call years ago as well when I was called in the ministry. Is my pastor then had a chaplain to come in and show us ministers how to visit patients, you know, the way to visit patients. And then it was years later that after I finished my master's in pastoral care counseling, that's when I met another chaplain, the Mm -hmm. same chaplain that came to my church those years ago. So that's how God moves. So she showed us how, showed me then what chaplaincy was about. When the chaplain came to the church to show us how to visit, then that's when I learned about chaplaincy. And so I was like, oh, I want to do that. I want to be a chaplain. Well, I had a family and you had to go through training for a year and like really not be working. And so I was like, I can't do that now. And so it was the perfect timing. Everything is according to God's timing. As as we all know as Christians, that we think is our time, but it's when God wants and how things are going to work out. So a daily chaplain visit we get a list and we go see patients. We bring God's presence and not so much to try to win souls or tell them about Christ, even though you don't know what God is doing. So it's never that you don't share Christ, but we meet all faiths. So as a chaplain, we we bring God's presence. We bring God's love, bring his compassion, let people know. And I always say that my job is Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel, to set the captives free. That's what it is. It's people that's in the hospital that don't have family or they do have family, but things are confusing or they don't understand. So we're there for that. We're there to support families, support the patient. And not only that, we support our colleagues. Before COVID, it wasn't as much, but now with COVID, It's a team period where we support one another. So when the doctor, the nurse and comes in to see a patient, then the chaplain is there as well. And we're there for support. We're there to pray with people, to help them through their their time of being in the hospital. No one wants to be in a hospital. So we're there for that. And everything's turned upside down in the last 18 months, mm-hmm. basically. And, yes. and I'm, I'm assuming it's it's eased off some. But tell me what that was like. As a, as a chaplain, you're coming in and suddenly they've you know locked down the, the hospitals for the most part. You, as well as many other people, have heard of uh, situations in which they, they may have a loved one in the hospital and they couldn't go in to see them. They may or may not be able to sit in the waiting room. And then some were able to come in, but very seldom does that happen. Uh, or even be in a nursing home, they could be at the window, and that's all I could do is see them. Just the feeling of grief they would feel because they can't be with them. I mean, there's such an array of feelings, uh, mixed emotions from all angles 
not only the patients, but those uh, loved ones who couldn't come in to see them. You, you have all the the uh, nurses and doctors and all those, too. I mean, this, is, this has been an extremely emotional time for people in the hospital, hasn't it? Yes, it has. It's a very good time now to have grief support, grief seminars, grief workshops, because the whole world is grieving because of COVID. It's been so much that we have changed the way we do chaplaincy. We, it's a lot of telemarketing, a lot of telecommunication, um, where we actually bring in iPads or telephone and those things is the way that we communicate, you know, so that families can um, see their loved ones or talk to their loved ones. Um, and I, I advise all pastors and ministers, patients, they need your support. So even if they can't get in the hospital, try to get a phone number and, and call just to hear that someone cares. I mean, can you imagine if you don't hear from someone and don't know that, you know, if anyone cares about you, you know, going through whatever a person may be going through. Um, myself had to have heart surgery. And during that time, my, I'm a chaplain and I had to tell my family, you can't come in. You can't. And they were having a fit, but they didn't understand. And so that was the chaplaincy thing that we had to help calm families to help them to understand that it's not that we don't want you to see your loved ones. We want everyone to be protected as much as possible. And so that was really, I think that for me, that was the hardest thing is telling family that they couldn't come in. And especially if their loved one was critical, that was just, just so hard. So how did the patients uh, respond? You know, I know you're, since you had to uh, revert to using the phone or iPad, how did they respond to that? I'm sure at the very beginning, they, they they weren't sure what to think of it, like all of us, but did they respond well to that or and maybe how did you feel about that process? Well, for me, I'm a touch person. I'm a Philly person. So can you imagine even now we will, if we go in the room, we can't shake their hands or if someone is passing, you can't hold their hand, you know, but nurses and the doctors, they're allowed to do that. Chaplains did not go in COVID rooms. So we would either be outside the room if they're, you know, in ICU or, um, like I said, we would do telephone most of the time. It mostly was telecommunication. Or sometimes they would let one family, if someone was passing or something, one family member could come in. And it was really a struggle and challenging, you know, because some families just didn't understand. But the patients, it depends. If they were not on a ventilator or anything, then they were acceptable to a phone call. And then some... I've get a lot of patients that I talk to on the phone and they really was so thankful that someone called and talked with them. So we really try to connect. That's what we do as a support is to connect patients to their church so that they can be feel like I have my God. I have, you know, people praying for me. So we really encourage that to try to call your your um, parishioners and make sure that they know that you're praying for them. I mean, you know, when you go in a hospital, especially if you're if you're critical, there's a certain amount of fear. But with COVID, if you, you were admitted in a hospital, no matter what level, I think you automatically came in with some fear because people were dying. Mm-hmm. Did you feel that uh, or your experience that people were more eager to hear about Christ 
or more accepting what you had to share with them than typical? Oh, yes, for sure. They really, um, you really got people that, do you want to hear um, a prayer? Yes, I don't believe, I mean, I, I don't go to church. I don't have a church, but please pray for me. You know, so we get a lot of that. And and that happens, period, right. <laughs> in the hospital. Sure. When people come to the hospital, you know, we seem as human beings, you know, we turn to God when things are, are, are down, you know, for the normal people. So um, imagine being in the hospital. They, yes, they definitely been times where people want to, you know, want you to pray for them or if, I've had people even think about dying and it's like, am I going to heaven or I'm going to hell? Then you're, you're, that's where we can come in and we can, we can share Christ, but we only share Christ only if when they ask, or sometimes we even get family member, Hey, my dad doesn't know Christ. And Mm. if they, is he going to make it and so forth? And we say, well, we, we don't know, but we can pray and we can pray and trust God that he has him. So I take it that you you have more people ask you and you've had more opportunities to do evangelism in the hospital than normal because of COVID time. More to share Christ, to share God's love and to share who God is and to make them feel the Lord's spirit and to know that his healing power is there for them. I guess as a chaplain, I guess in a hospital setting, and I don't know, and I'm sorry that I don't have this information. You you deal with a lot of different denominations, right? And so you, and and in some, I say denominations, some, I say that very lightly, they may not be, they just, they're more of a, uh, you know, something that they believe. You had to deal with all those and, and you're trying to comfort those and you're right, just because in, in times of uh, extreme fear or possibly death, you want to give them more comfort uh, at times uh, instead of pushing them, you need to accept Christ. And uh, hopefully the Holy Spirit begins to lead them, right? I guess you're already kind of answering this question, is how you're responding and interaction with them you're dealing with all those different denominations. So you, you're, you're not really doing talking about anything very specific. You're just more comforting them, right? Yes. And spirituality is, I know who Jesus is. And I bring Jesus Christ, his love, his peace, his joy, all of the fruit of the spirit is what I bring into a patient's room. But that doesn't mean if the person whatever denomination they are, my goal is to bring them peace, to bring them whatever their spirituality is and um, not to impose my denomination upon them. Mine is to spiritually care for them, to support them, to help them feel that whatever it is that they're going through, to let them know that they're not alone. So that's what a chaplain does. But we also, my faith is, I have faith in Jesus Christ. So it's wonderful when I meet and I have this little old lady and she's, I know who Jesus is and I have faith in God and just pray for me, you know. So you get all of that. You get everything. But the bottom line is to be there, to have compassion and to bring God's love. And I don't think once in in the Bible does Jesus tell us to find out what denomination or his his thing is to bring love, to share his love. Who is my neighbor, you know, love one another. 
And so that's what, what I do as a chaplain. T- tell me what it was like. I mean, and, uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, patients. So what was it like with the uh, loved ones? I mean, how th- those times that you would talk with them, they would or would not be in a waiting room. I mean, was that, I know you spend a lot more time with the, the patients than, than the family, but maybe. Well, not really. Yeah, okay. We spend more time with the families. Yeah, okay. Because uh, especially during COVID, we're not allowed to go in the room. So, well, not allowed, I shouldn't say that, because some chaplains do go in the room. But we spend more time with the families, because families are the ones that are in distress. They are yeah. the ones that are discouraged. They are the ones that, you know, that's my loved one that's in there, you know, and I want to see them. So we spend a lot of time with family and we just, you know, try to bring the God's love to them and help them through the process, be a support for them, have compassion. So that's the most part is what we do for them. And and we try to figure out what we can do to help them, whatever it is that they need. Sometimes it's just, you know, maybe they let the person doesn't have their Bible or they need a hymn note or, you know, if they're Catholic, they don't have their, their beads or whatever it is. So we try to meet all, you know, whatever it is that will support them. And, and, you know, it's just like if you don't have something to connect to, especially in your spirituality, I've had a person that they knew who God was, but their spirituality was something else. So we try to meet them at those those very needs, whatever brings them comfort. For me, comforting for me is being in a park, walking, you know. And if you can't do that, then then your family, the support system, this who we call to, to help support them through that time. They help them to feel that they're not alone and that God still loves them and God still cares. Let's talk a minute about the nurses and the doctors and all those people that are helping these uh, the patients and and talking to the families. What kind of conversations were you having with them? What what was what were they they thinking during and still thinking? Probably not, maybe not as much as probably changed a little bit. But what was their their thoughts going through all this? First of all, everyone has to be so flexible. We have to be able to share with one another and just listening. Just listening to people and um, being there for them. It's not that we're trying to, as a chaplain, to change anything, but just to listen. Sometimes that's the best thing that we can do, being there. And I say that for patients, staff, colleagues, anyone, just to listen, to be there, to hear um, what they're going through. Not that we can do anything or change anything, but just to be there to listen. Do you Did you feel like the nurses were just, what were they feeling? Were they feeling just overwhelmed? Were they feeling fear? What kind of, what were emotions were they going through? Yes, well, it's just like we see on TV. And we see just it. Just the same? The same. You have some that hold hands and pray and comfort and strengthen them through being there with them. Yeah, it's just like being on TV. We see what we see on TV. That's what we see every day, you know. And and I think another hard thing is um, watching the nurses. I see a lot of them that's so compassionate, have so much love for people. And and sometimes, especially patients they've had for a long time, then we're all crying. We're all in tears, you know, because, you know, we've been with this this one patient and this family trying to um, bring them comfort and let them know that somebody cares. How did you feel? You as a chaplain, you as a minister, 
what were your thoughts when when COVID kind of hit? All these things be, began to change, and what was your process of thinking of of not just how you you probably thinking, well, now how am I going to minister to the patients or the staff at the hospital, but about your own family? What what were you feeling during that time? Oh yes, it was very scary. I mean, I was at the point where you know we take off when I get home. I have to take my clothes off in the garage because I don't want to take anything home to my family. Um, so I would take everything off in the garage, shoes and everything, you know. And my dog would look at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> but um, it was very scary. It was very flexible that we had to change the way I did things, the way I thought, um, wearing a mask keeping gloves. It was a point where I kept gloves with me everywhere I went because everything I touched, I wanted to make sure I had gloves on. And we still now, even where we're back to wearing goggles and wearing our masks. Well, we never took our mask off anyway, but now back to wearing goggles and the face shields and, and those things. So I'll probably have those things back at home again <laughs> um, because I, you know, I have an older parents and so I don't want to take that home to them. And Especially even one time my mother actually was tested for COVID. And so we had to sit in the yard and, you know, I had to be tested and praise God that I I didn't have it. I thank the Lord for that. But, you know, we would just be with her and she was scared. And then it really resonated with me. This is real, you know, and and it, it was just it was just hard. It was just sad. And we just try to be flexible, change our clothes, um, wash our hands. Use lots of Lysol. Right. <laughs> you are here for a retreat, at Carson, and 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 so uh, this kind of leads into that. Uh, my last uh, question for you: Do you feel like it's important for pastors, pastoral staff, to really get away and just spend some time uh, alone and disconnect? Yes, for sure. I thought about that question, and um, my father who is he's passed and been gone for a while but he used to tell me all the time if you work a year take a vacation yeah (laughs) take at least one week if you work the whole year (laughs) so um that kind of like you know hit home for me it's like being a chaplain once I became a a full-time staff chaplain five years now well I was part-time for four when they told me you have to take a retreat once a year and so you can rest, rejuvenate, restore, I realize how much, how important that is. And for me, I'm always, when I even go on prayer retreats, personal prayer retreats for years, and I would always take my Bible and all these books. And and even when I go on vacation, I would take my Bibles and my books, waiting to write sermons and do all this. And Finally, this year was the first year that my boss was like, you don't need to do anything. And especially now that I had heart surgery, I realized that I need to rest, rejuvenate. How can I give something that I don't have? So as a pastor, as ministers, we need rest. We need to sit back, take time out um, where you don't, you know, write sermons, that you actually go out and feel nature and recognize things. And I think I went on a retreat last year and it was like, I didn't even notice things, you know? (laughs) And I think that's every day, you know, we get to a point if we're working and working and working 
that we don't even notice that, you know, a leaf or a rock or a puddle on the ground. We miss so much in life. And so rejuvenating and coming back, you feel rested and then you can care for others. We It's hard to care for people when we haven't cared for ourselves. And so that's what I'm learning and um, even being here. And if I could share, I came here and I'm thinking I had a little rough time the first day, but um, that was before I got to Carson here. But when I got here, I walked in and I felt the presence of God. Oh, good. And I knew that this is where I needed to be. And it's just been so restful. And I sat down with my Bible and I was going to write a sermon and do all this. And the Lord just, it just spoke to me and was like, in my spirit, this is not what you're here for. And so I packed up, closed it up and went and been with the ladies to do cart. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's been so relaxing. My mind has been freed. And now I can go back and actually work on ministry, do things at my church that I'm trying to start a prayer line ministry and doing some other things and with church and with work. And you'd be all over the place when you don't get that rest. That's right. Well, God, and God wants us at our best and, and, and to be our best. We mm-hmm. need that time away to get refreshed and rejuvenized. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, absolutely. Sil- Sylvia, thank you for coming and taking a few minutes just to be able to share uh, a little bit about your, your experience as a, a chaplain. And, and I think that's great. I'm glad you shared with us this, the insight of what patients and families and uh, hospital employees, what they've been experiencing and what they continue to experience. So I'm, I'm grateful that you're there at the hospital taking care of those people. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Thank for, you. For those who are uh, listening to us right now, uh, if you're listening to our podcast, please leave us a um, uh, some sort of comment, uh, especially if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify. Leave us a positive comment or just, uh, you know, continue to follow us. That helps others to be able to see this great resource. We would love to hear from you. So if you have any questions for Sylvia or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you look for opportunities to share Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.